Welcome to Think Jewish. And this week's Torah portion is Ki Tetzay. And in this week's Torah portion, there is a very unique mitzvah, a very unique commandment. The commandment is that one may not plow. In the olden days, they didn't have tractors. You had plows. It was hooked up to animals that pulled it. So most often in the pictures, you see that there's oxen pulling the plow. What happens if this guy didn't have an oxen? He had an oxen. He had a donkey. And you need two animals. So the verse tells us that you're not allowed to hook up both an ox and a donkey together to go ahead and plow. So I want to just back up a second, give you a little bit of a, of a bigger picture. This commandment is actually part of a larger commandment, three forms of what we call kalayim. Kalayim means forbidden mixtures. For example, you're not allowed to grow in the field. You're not allowed to grow. There has to be a, there's a mandatory distance because you're not allowed to grow together a vineyard and a wheat field. There has to be a separation between the vineyard and the, and the wheat field. Grapes and wheat together is forbidden. Then there's another level, which is about garments. You're not allowed to have a garment which has shotness. Shotness means that you can't have wool and linen together in a garment. And then there is the kalayim of the animal kingdom, where you're not allowed to cross different animals. This which we speak of today in our parsha, that you're not allowed to plow between an, uh, together an ox and a donkey is a branch of the last part of Kalayim that we're talking about. That's the story of the bigger picture of the mitzvah. But this week we're focusing on that one verse of our Torah portion, which is that you're not allowed to plow. You're not allowed to hook up to a plow and use together plowing a ox and a donkey. Sounds pretty simple. Okay. Now let's talk about Kabbalistic stuff. Here's an interesting conversation the Medrash tells us. It's about the forbidden Shidduch. Which Shidduch is forbidden? So you know the story in Genesis. It's a very sad story how the daughter of Jacob, Dina, was raped by a man, Shechem, who was the favorite prince of the king called Hamor. Okay? His name was Hamor. However, you know that Hamor in Hebrew means what? Donkey. But that was his name. Afterward, Shechem decides that he didn't want this just to be a rape relationship. He actually wanted to marry her. So he tells his father, please, arrange for me the Shidduch between Jacob's daughter Dina and myself. What wouldn't Hamor do for his son Shechem? He was his favorite son. So he goes to Jacob and he begins a conversation. And he tells him like this. Your grandfather Avraham... Abraham was a Nasi. He was a prince. I am a prince. So this is a beautiful Shidduch. Let the offspring of a leader, a Nasi, a king, 
marry the offspring of an Asi, a king. Of Yaakov, the Medrash tells us, answers him back, not so. My grandfather Avraham was actually called Shor, an ox. And he brings a proof from two verses. The Medrash brings a proof from two verses that Avraham Avinu was metaphorically called an ox. And your name is Chamor. And the Torah prohibits a relationship between an ox and a donkey. And therefore, this Shidduch is forbidden, and your son Shechem cannot marry my daughter Dina. Medrash tells us a very interesting conversation between Chamor, the father of Shechem, and Jacob, the father of Dina. We'll soon see later the end of the story, as you may remember that the end is that the children of Jacob tell Chamor, if you, allow, if you get your nation to circumcise themselves, because for us, those who have foreskin are considered filth, and therefore, if you circumcise yourself, and they use it as a trick, and later they killed out, and Jacob was upset, what did you do? We'll talk about the second half of the story soon. But I just want to show you a very interesting thing that's going on here. So, this week's Torah portion says, Lo Sacharosh. You're not allowed to plow together, a, to use a donkey and an, uh, an ox and a donkey together to plow. The Medrash tells us that that's why Yaakov, Jacob, forbid the Shidduch between Shechem, the son of Hamor, donkey, that was his name, not he was a person, with his daughter who was the great-granddaughter of Avraham who was called Shor, an ox. Sorry, we can't do a shidduch, it's prohibited to us. Now that we understand that interesting medrash, let's talk about the deeper dimension. On a Kabbalistic level, what is the ox? What is the donkey? What is the prohibition of crossing an ox with a donkey? What is the offspring of such a crossing? And what is the cure to such an offspring? And obviously, here in Chabad, as you know, it's never about going up to the sky and uh, exploring mystical concepts. It's rather coming back with those mystical concepts from the sky and learning how to live here upon earth a little bit better. And that's what we're going to discuss. And thus, the title of tonight's class is, What Do You Get When You Spiritually Cross an Ox with a Donkey? And the subtitle is, Balancing our emotions. So let's talk about this, okay? Let's talk about what according to Kabbalah is the ox and what according to Kabbalah is the donkey and we'll go from there. So first of all, it's important to know that in Kabbalah, whenever we talk about the animal kingdom, we're talking about emotions. Because according to the teaching of Kabbalah, animals do not have higher intellect. So even the intellect which we do have, they do have, and that intellect basically is summed up to the following. Eat, don't be eaten, and procreate. That's basically their intellect. So that intellect is all driven, attached. It's related to their emotions. They cannot ponder upon higher intellectual, spiritual concepts. Humans have higher intellect. Animals don't. 
So when we speak about an animal, we speak about emotions. And even their intellect is what we call in Kabbalah, Moichin Shebemidot. It's the intellects of emotions. Humans have two complete sets. We have intellect of intellect, emotions of intellect. And then we have intellect of emotions and emotions of emotions. Animals only have the latter half. Okay? Now, when we talk about emotions, we're now going to introduce that there's two opinions in Kabbalah. What is the ox? What is the donkey? What is the prohibition of crossing them? The offspring, according to both opinions, is the same. And the cure to the offspring is the same. But what exactly is the donkey and what exactly is the ox? There are different opinions. So one opinion says like this. First of all, you remember in Ezekiel, what's the first chapter of Ezekiel? It's the vision of the holy chariot. And what does he say on the holy, about what does he see? What did Ezekiel see? He talks about upon the chariot, there were four faces. And what were those four faces? So he goes through them. And then what is on the left side? On the left side was the face of an ox. So we now know that the ox exists in Kiddushah, in holiness. It's on the holy chariot. We also know that it's on the left side. Those who study Tanya, Hasidus, dabbles with Kabbalah, you'll know that the right is kindness and the left is strictness. So you have Chesed and Gvura. However, the ox by itself is the Chesed Shebe Gvura. Parenthetically speaking, in holiness, the seven emotions are each compiled of the seven emotions. So there is kindness of kindness, kindness of strictness, right? Let's do it the other way. Kindness of kindness, strictness of kindness, and then there is kindness of strictness and strictness of strictness. Now, I just want to share with you, let's just be practical here for a moment. What does this mean? So there's an example in Hasidus. When you talk about strictness, you're talking about restraint, you're talking about strength, you're talking about concealment. Okay? Symptom, contraction, is an act of kibura. However, let's talk about the rain. The rain, we are taught, we see it practically, that it's broken into tiny drops. Comes along the Talmud and tells us, that if God forbid one drop of rain would touch another drop of rain before it reaches the ground, we would be demolished, annihilated, because we would not be able to absorb that huge amount of rain in one shot. I mean, we live in Florida, so we know what it means to rain. Imagine that it doesn't come down in drops, it comes down in one pluck. We're dead. So that means that the act of dividing water into tiny drops is the act of givura. However, this act of givura is for the sake of chesed. So we're experiencing strictness of kindness. You follow? You have the same thing in reverse. You have kindness of strictness. Now I'm going to give a bad example because we should give examples only in holiness. But I want to just, just that so we can relate to this. You're spoiling your child. Tell me what's going on. I don't ever tell my kid, no, that's kindness. However, what is the outcome of that? I am not preparing my child for a healthy life. That's givura. So we're talking about chesed of givura. You follow how it works? So in holiness, each one of the seven is compiled of seven. Thus we have the ox, 
which is on the left side, which is Gvura. But within Gvura itself, it's the kindness of strictness. Okay? I just want to make this a little more practical. Okay? In human emotions, where do we see this compilation? Closeness is what? Chesed or Gvura? Kindness or strictness? Closeness is kindness. I'm letting you be close to me. Right? Now, in the same language translated into human feelings, chesed is love, kindness is love, and strictness is fear, awe. Now, here's an interesting phenomena. Normally, when God shows you closeness, what is your reactive emotion? Love. I feel God's close to me. I feel God's letting me be close to Him. Our relationship is not long distance. It's a local call. That brings out love to God, right? Not so. Because sometimes closeness, the reaction is awe. For example, who over here has ever stood at the edge of the Grand Canyon? You definitely feel the hand of God. But what's your reaction? I love you, God. Or do we feel so small? Wow, the infinite God. It's awe. It's not love. Picture yourself on top of Mount Everest, seeing the fingerprint of God on nature. What's your reaction? So closeness, which is chesed, kindness, sometimes has different reactions. So when I'm feeling the closeness to God, makes me feel loving God. I feel God is carrying me. That famous poem of footsteps. So then, that's the kindness of kindness. It's the kindness, closeness, which brings to kindness, love. However, when I'm standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon or at the peak of Mount Everest, that closeness is kindness, but it leads to awe, fear. So that is kindness of strictness. So you understand now how this works. I'm just sharing this with you to understand that on one hand, the ox is givura, the strength of an ox. Strength is givura. However, within givura itself, it's a kosher animal. We're talking about chesed shebigvura. Kindness of strictness. What is the donkey? The donkey is an unkosher animal. In the first opinion of Kabbalah, it's called psolet de chasadim. Psolet means waste. The waste of kindness. What is that going to mean to us now? Just simply speaking. Your body does the same thing. Your body, you eat. The body takes what it needs. And then access what happens. The body pushes it out. It's the waste of the human body. So too, in Kabbalistically speaking, in holiness, right? When you overeat, so there's a lot of waste. The same thing when the chesed is not appropriate, when we don't curb it, we'll soon talk about that, the cure. But when you don't curb it, when you don't control it, when you're not doing it appropriately, there's waste. The waste allows for klipa, the evil side, to nurture off of kedusha. So when we talk about crossing an ox with a donkey according to the first opinion, what are we talking about? We're talking about allowing 
the klipa, the impurity, to be able to connect and to nurture itself from Kiddushah. So all because we're not appropriate with our kindness, with our Kiddushah, it's coming to waste of Kiddushah, and the waste of Kiddushah is where the klipa can latch on and start nurturing. So problem number one is that klipa is nurturing from Kiddushah, Evil is nurturing from goodness, not a good thing. And eventually what happens is it takes that of Kiddushah and it imprisons it. Sounds Kabbalistic, right? Let's get practical. Let's talk about what's going on today, my friends. Is not most of the acts of terrorism today the outcome of mismanaged kindness and compassion? So the whole world makes a big thing about anger management. Ah, anger is appropriate. There's times where you should be angry. However, anger management tells you. You need to know when to be angry. You need to know what dosage of anger to have. And you need to know how to express it in a healthy way. What's about kindness and compassion? Washington has taught us, I mean not Washington, not Washington too, but Hollywood has taught us that every form of compassion to the horizon and beyond is all good. How can compassion and kindness be bad? So there's a bumper sticker I once saw. Please don't mistake my kindness for stupidity. Because when you have kindness and compassion issues, you're lacking kindness and compassion management, you're actually nurturing evil and you're going to become imprisoned to abusiveness. It's that simple. This is not psychology 101. It's actual facts on the ground. <laughs> 101 to 108. That's the fact. We're looking at this prohibition taking place in our face. The cause and the feed and the empowerment of what's going on in the world today is actually compassion and kindness mismanaged. From the psola de chasadim, from the waste of kindness, comes all this suffering. Let's go to level number two. The second opinion says that both the ox and the donkey are from Klippa. That means just like there's the holy ox, the one that Ezekiel saw on the holy chariot, there's also the inappropriate ox. So in the second approach to Kabbalah, there's the inappropriate ox, there's the inappropriate donkey, and when you put them together, Jiggin. You ever, guys ever heard of Jiggin? I'll tell you part of my little secrets, my dark secrets. <laughs> There's a comedian of blessed memory, and his name was Jiggin. And in the hardest times in Israel, when there was the wars and everything, everyone spoke Yiddish then. He was a comedian in Yiddish. He, he turned everything in. You know, he brought, he brought joy. When he, when he passed away, the Shabbos after he passed away, the Rebbe mentioned all of a sudden, out of blue, by the, by the Fabrengen, that the Talmud says, that there were two comedians, 
that when they died, a huge light came up from their graves to the heaven. And the Rebbe was clearly applying this to him. Because Israel was going through the birthing pains and everything, and he brought, he turned, for example, the whole Six-Day War, he turned it into a soccer game. And he's, he makes a whole joke out of this one and that one. And then. So Jiggin has a cute saying. He says, take a crooked boy and introduce him to a crooked girl, and you have a straight match. <laughs> That's what happens here. Take the inappropriate donkey and take the inappropriate ox, and what do you have? A gleich shidduch that's going to give birth to something horrendous. But let's first talk about the second opinion. What's the inappropriate ox? So for those of you who study Talmud, there's a tractate called Baba Kama. And in Baba Kama, what do you have? You have the goring ox. What does it mean, the goring ox? So the Talmud is very clear. If an ox breaks into your backyard and eats up all the fruits in your field, it doesn't mean to do damage. It's not here to destroy your field. It's here to fill its stomach. However, you have an ox that not for protective reasons, it's not for self-protection, charges and, uh, and, and gores, and then you have two stages. You have the first stage where he does it one time. No, maybe. A second time. No, maybe. Once he does it three times. We're saying that this is the innate nature of this animal. It's taught itself to be a damaging animal. So the goring ox represents inappropriate passion. Now let's talk about the inappropriate donkey. What's the inappropriate donkey? So the Talmud in Tractic Shabbat has a one-liner about a donkey. It says like this, The donkey, even in the season of Tammuz, which is the summer season, I mean, we see what's going on out here. Even in the, in the, in the season of Tammuz, the summer season, he's cold. That means that the donkey is inappropriate apathy. So you have here an amazing shidduch. Inappropriate passion. Falls in love with inappropriate apathy. And what happens when you cross those two? You have a very bad situation. And that's why the verse tells you, be extremely careful. Do not cross... Do not cross inappropriate passion together with inappropriate apathy. Why? <laughs> Here's the kicker. Because when you, when you go ahead and you cross inappropriate ox with inappropriate donkey, you're going to give birth to an inappropriate dog. Now, before I tell you what the dog is, for those of you who like Kabbalistic tech stuff, take the middle Hebrew letters of the words. Take the vav from the word shor, ox. Vav, numerical value, is six. Take the middle letters from the word chamor, mem, vav, 40 and six. 40 plus six plus six equals 52. Now add up the word kelev, dog. Kaf is 20, lamed is 30, vet is two, is 52. When you cross the inappropriate shor together with the inappropriate chamor, you're going to end up with 52, the caliph. And what's wrong if you have the Adams family, Mr. Ox, Mrs. Donkey, and look at beautiful little dog? So the answer is that when you take the acronym of these three words, Shor, Ox, Chamor, Donkey, Kelev, Dog, you have the three letters that create the word Choshech. 
What does choshech mean? Darkness. So let's talk about the Kabbalistic definition of this inappropriate dog. Kalben chatzifen, it's called in, in Kabbalah. Kalben chatzifen means the dog that has chutzpah. Chatzifin is Aramaic for chutzpah. So let's talk about this. In Kabbalah, the dog represents Amalek. At the end of this week's Torah portion, we have the commandment. Remember what Amalek did to you. You just left Egypt. The entire world was in awe and fear of the Jewish people because of all the wonders and miracles that took place in Egypt and took place at the Red Sea. This here reads. And what happens there? Comes along Amalek with total apathy to the marvels and wonders and awe and fear that everyone had to the Jewish people. And with an unbelievable passionate chutzpah, they went to war. For those who want to get a little bit more techy here, the apathy is not a small thing when it comes to Amalek. Because the wording that we see is, remember what happened when Amalek karchabaderech happened upon you in the way, on the way. Now, this is poetry, which we don't find in the five books of Moses. In the scriptures, the books of scriptures, you have poetry. Happened upon you. Should have just said, that attacked you. But in Hebrew, the word for happened is karcha. And the word cold is kar. So it's teaching you a deep lesson. Amalek's apathy is that bite. That's the worst of all klipot. He starts introducing doubt, apathy. Don't get so, you want to pray, pray, but don't get so emotional. Come on, just keep it cool. You have to be so joyous on a holiday. You have to feel so proud to be Jewish. You're Jewish. You got your star of David. No, move on. The apathy. That's, on the other hand, it's the ultimate chutzpah. Chutzpah is not apathy. Chutzpah is passionate. They went out to fight the Jewish people. So, now we have the system. When you take the inappropriate passion, you mix it with the inappropriate path apathy, you're going to give birth to the chutzpah of Amalek. Total apathy to holiness, to awe, and total passion to have chutzpah to fight. Now that we know the problem, what's the cure? So we're going to go back to what the children of Jacob told Hamor if you want to marry into our family you have to do Brit Milah you have to circumcise yourself according to Kabbalah foreskin is that waste of kindness that opening which allows for the klipa to nurture from Kedusha that's where you have that connection that the other side, the evil side, can connect and receive life and later imprison Kiddusha. And that's why the Brit Milah is called Ot Brit Kodesh. It is the sign of the Holy Covenant. The foreskin covers that. So when you talk about in Kabbalistic definition, when God told Abraham, give yourself a Brit, what happens then? He changed his name. 
First it was Avram. Avram equals how much? 243. Later he changed after the Brit and empowerment of the Brit. He changed his name to Avraham. Avraham equals 248. Now Avraham removed his foreskin and has opened himself up that even the most difficult five organs of the 248 organs of the body, the most difficult of the five organs, the eyes, the ears, also now became refined. So the definition of a circumcision is to remove that waste, that inappropriateness. When that happens, now the inappropriate passion and the inappropriate apathy can no more nurture and connect to holiness because its source to connect to holiness was just cut off. Parenthetically speaking, I'm just checking out the faces here. <laughs> See who I lost on the way. <laughs> so let's back up a second here. Klippa, the other side, the evil side, can never have a direct nurturing from Kiddusha. It just can't. Kiddusha is too powerful and too holy. However, when there's what I told you before, the foreskin, the waste of chesed, the inappropriateness, good things, but led to inappropriate, then the klipa can suck from it. Thus the circumcision removes that extra piece that's connected to Kudusha, but allows for the klipa to receive. And that's why, what did the children of Jacob tell, tell them? You people are chamor. You shouldn't be nurturing from us, which is sure. The only way you can do that is if you're willing to circumcise yourself. Remove the inappropriateness from yourself. But, fact be said, they tricked them. Because what they didn't tell them is that you are Klippa. And by circumcision, you will disconnect yourself from Kiddusha. You'll never be able to make a Shidduch with us. And that was in repayment because of the rape. So now we understand the power of the cure. So when you have an inappropriate passion and an inappropriate apathy, you bring them together, you got the ultimate chutzpah. You know, if someone still has passion to Judaism, regardless of what level it is, there's still a connection. That, but when you have apathy, you're in Gehak We got a problem here. On the other hand, let's say you, by definition, are a more calm, cold-natured person. Not good, because you're cold to divinity, you're cold to holiness, you're cold to Jewishness. But if you're not also with that passionately into self-indulgence, no, we can still manage. But when you make a shidduch between apathy to Judaism an absolute passionate overindulgence into self-pleasure, then we're going to give birth to a dog. Then you have a Amalek. And what do we say about Amalek in the end of this week's parsha? Amalek is the source of all evil 
and it is the nation that we are commanded to annihilate. More importantly to us today, because we don't know who is genealogically Amalek, is to get rid of the Amalek within us, the doubt of being a proud Jew. So now, let's wrap it up. Practically speaking, practically speaking, I want to introduce you to the month of Elul. Why do I want to introduce you to the month of Elul? Because I want to read to you a verse. And this is what the verse says. You know that the month of Elul is the preparatory month of Teshuvah for the high holidays. And in the Code of Jewish Law, we have many different acronyms that spell out the word Elul. Last week we spoke about the Ani Dodi Vidodili. I am to my beloved, my beloved is to, unto me. Now let me read to you another one, okay? The verse states, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you may love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul for the sake of your life. So this verse in Deuteronomy speaks about a metaphorical circumcision where it's not on a limb of your body, but on the closedness, the apathy and the wrong passions of the heart. The heart that's covered by foreskin is not open to be able to have love and awe of God. Comes along the code of Jewish law and says that in this verse, the words that reads, and your heart and the heart, then it goes on, of your children. Those words, let me read to you in Hebrew, et levavcha ve'et levav. Give me the acronym. Et, aleph, levavcha, lamid. Then you have vilevav, vav. And then you have, I'm sorry, ve'et, the vav, and levav, lamid. Aleph, lamid, vav, lamid spells what? Elul. So the month of Elul is all about this circumcision that we're talking about. Mind you, the portion ki is always in the month of Elul. Reading about do not cross, do not plow together the, with the ox, the inappropriate ox and the inappropriate donkey is always read in the month of Elul. And that leads to the end of the Torah portion which says, beware of the offspring, the dog, Amalek. Let me just get a little bit more practical. So, what do we do with a plow? What we do with a plow is we have to break the hardness of the ground. So the ground has infinite powers. From the ground, we have produce, right? But in order that the ground should produce produce, we have to first plow it. We have to break the arrogance and the ego and the hardness, the foreskin of the heart. So every single Jew, the Baal Shem Tov says, is called the chosen, desired land of God. And every single one of us has the power, the infinite power within us to give produce. Produce of loving God, produce of fearing God, produce of doing mitzvot, doing goodness and kindness. However, in order to do that, you have to do the brit milah. You have to plow the field. You can't expect to be hard-hearted, arrogant, and still be that beautiful field which is going to give the harvest of Judaism and divinity. So the month of Elul is all about the plowing. And thus you're warned, be careful. Do not 
when it comes to plowing, do not mix, do not cross the inappropriate passion with inappropriate apathy because then you've got a huge problem on your hand. What happens when you do circumcise your heart? What happens when you do curb the inappropriateness of passion and the inappropriateness of apathy? What happens when you perform the Brit Milah on your heart? So let me take you back to a verse in Genesis. <laughs> Jacob sends peace offerings to Esau. And what does he say? He directs the messengers, the angels, that you shall tell him. And let me read it to you. And I have acquired oxen and donkeys. Right? What's he telling him? He's telling him you should know that I circumcised myself. I have plowed my heart, softened the heartness. I have opened myself up to be able to give appropriate passion and appropriate apathy. That's the outcome of the work of Elul, which leads to a ksiva v'chasima toiva to be written and inscribed in the book of life, the book of health, the book of sustenance, and the book of redemption. Thank you very much.